Christ and the faith that we need to have to go on in Christ as well. Not Notice I didn't say to stay in Christ because we're staying in by his keeping power, but to go on, right? To, to progress, to mature, to grow in Christ comes from him working in us and us working with that him working in us by faith. And uh, so we need this faith. We, I want to have uh, a peace that endures in my life, whatever comes my way, whatever comes in the next few weeks ahead. I want peace that endures as Jesus or as Paul promises us that Jesus gives us peace that passes understanding. Who doesn't want that? Here's some peace that passes understanding. No, thank you. I'd rather worry my life away. Really? Peace that passes understanding. Whatever sickness, whatever change, whatever trials come, I want his, to know his presence. Not just to know, like factually speaking, that he's with me, but to experientially understand that. To experientially embrace the fact that he's with me, cheering me and guiding me. I want to know his strength. Don't you want to know his strength? His strength over sin, his strength over temptation, his strength over that person that you struggle to love, but you're commanded to love. I want to know that strength, the strength to serve him. Don't you want bright hope for tomorrow? Or do you want to look ahead at the, at the, at the years ahead with a sort of glum, like, who knows what's going to happen? Man, I want all that. And all that's mine. He died to give this to me. And it's mine through faith. And that's what we're looking at again here in this little section. John 4, verse 43 to verse 54. And we're looking, remember, the gospel of John is the Lord dwelling in the midst of the people. This is his great desire that God would come and dwell in the midst. And great surprise, great mystery that God coming to dwell in the midst is in the person of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And I remember he's come up from Judea. He was supposed to, according to what the Jews normally did, skip over the Jordan River, go up on the, the, the east side, or the right-hand side from, for you guys, on the, of the Jordan River, and then cross back over again to Galilee. But he was in Judea. He must go to Samaria, because he had a, an appointment with a woman there to bring her to himself and bring all the Samaritans to himself. And now he's gone up into Galilee. So he's now on his way. He's, he's in Galilee here now in verse 43 to verse 45. After the two days, he departed there from, from this area and he went up into uh, Galilee. And what we're going to see here in this little section is this great contrast between the Samaritans and the, and the people who are uncouth and the people who are uh, seen by the Jewish people as less than them, Right? And you're going to see here in this story and the story before the faith that they have compared to the faith of the, the Jewish person at that time. And, it, and John's gospel really is one of those rebukes. And at what John's gospel is demanding from you, you're meant to be reading this. And the question you're supposed to keep asking yourself is this. Do I believe? Do I believe? That's what you're meant to ask yourself. And it's writing to the non-Christians and he's saying to the unbeliever, John, John, the one who wrote this, is forcing you to ask this question. Do you believe? I wrote this so that you would believe. Do you believe? And also he wrote John's gospel for the church, for Christians. And he's saying to them, do you believe who he is? Do you believe? And he's challenging us. Because you see, the Samaritans, they said a little bit earlier, they came to the woman. And what did they say to the woman? In verse 42, now we believe. Why? Why did they believe? Not because of what you said, but because we ourselves have heard him. 
And we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Why did they believe? They believed his word. He spoke. He, he, he made claims. He taught them. And they believed his word. And here we have in John chapter 2, when Jesus flips the, the, the tables, the Jewish people come to him and say, what sign do you have? Right? And then here we're going to see that they're saying, what signs? What signs? And yet the Samaritans are like, we believe because he said so. And, and the question that you're forced to answer this evening is, will you believe him? And if you're a Christian in this room this evening, the, the question that John wants you to ask yourself this evening through this passage is, will you believe him? Will you believe him at his word? And if you're not a believer, he's asking the same a question. So, the, so here, here we go. We, we are now moving up into the, the land of Galilee. We have Nazareth, where Jesus is from. Then we have Cana and uh, Capernaum. And we see just a little bit later, Jesus is going to be in Cana again. Uh, and someone's going to come from uh, Capernaum. But first of all, we're going to look at verse 43 to verse 45. And, and we're going to see the second sign. We're going to see a fickle faith. Okay, And uh, John will not believe this. He's going to stand up and fall over. I've alliterated my outline, John. Can you believe this? It's unbelievable. Prayer, miracles happen, right? Signs and wonders at Union Chapel. A fickle faith is the first thing here, okay? So verse 43, after two days, he departed from there. He went to Galilee. Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. Now, what is, this, what is his own country here? And uh, there's lots of different interpretations about what this means. Is Judea his home country? Because that's where he was born. And he's leaving there because they didn't believe who he was down there. So he's come back up into Galilee. That's one of the options for us. Is Galilee his home country? And he's come back up there to demonstrate the fact that they don't believe him, right? Is that why he's come up to show the comparison between the Samaritans and the Galileans? That's option number two for you. Or does it mean he didn't go to Nazareth, which is where he's from? Instead, he went to Cana because he avoided Nazareth because he has no honor there because they don't believe him. Those are the three. You make up your mind. Come back and tell me which one. And, uh, but those are our options. He's now in Galilee because there's no uh, honor for him in his hometown. In verse 45, when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him. Hey, that's great news. The Galileans have received Jesus, right? But why? Because they saw all the things he did in Jerusalem at the feast. For they also had gone to the feast. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcome him. You're one of us, and we welcome you. We saw the signs that you did in Jerusalem. We saw those healings that you did in, in John chapter 2, verse 23. It says that Jesus was in Jerusalem performing signs. He was doing healings. And so why do the Galileans believe him? Look here in, in this verse, in verse 45. I'm going to make you work because it's Sunday night and we're a bit tired. So verse 45, why do the Galileans believe him? Because of what they saw. Why did the Samaritans believe him? Because of what he said, right? What he said and what they saw. There's a big difference here. And this is going to play a big role in this little section here. So, so they saw the miracles that he did in Jerusalem at the feast. Because they had gone down to the feast. And they're like, yeah, we receive you. But hey, remember what it says in John chapter 2? He knew their hearts. And he knew what this was. He knew that this was a, a fickle faith. 
He knew that this was a faith that was superficial. And they welcomed him based on their enthusiasm for miracles. But here's this. A superficial welcome based on enthusiasm for miracles is not real honor. It's not real faith. And that's why they believed. Sadly, however, many people are like this. And many of us can be like this. Where we, where we trust God when? When it's all going well. When it's all smooth, right? That's when we trust Him. When, when things are going good. When things are going good in our life. When things are going good in our family. When things are going good at our church or in our community. Hey, the signs are God's good. We trust Him. Everything's well in the world. And we believe Him because of what we see. And here's these Galileans who receive him because of the miracles that they've seen. But you know what Jesus is going to say in John chapter 6? You're not following me because you love me. You're not following because you believe me. You're following because you see the miracles and you just want to experience them. You just want bread. And 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 what what does he do in John 6? He loses almost every single one of them. Because it was a fickle faith. It wasn't a genuine, real faith in Jesus Christ. John 2 tells us that Jesus knows the hearts of these people. And even though they receive him, he understands that they're receiving him in a fickle way. He knows their hearts. And, and I wonder if, what we're like then. I wonder if that's, if that's us. People who trust him when things are going out well. And that would be a tragedy for us. Uh, if, to be like that. The, the goal is not that we would be those people. But we would have a, a full faith. But that's stepping ahead. Okay, So we're going to go to the next one. It's verse 46 to verse 49. And what we see here. Can you see this John? Another a fragile faith. Okay, A fragile faith. And what we see here. Is a nobleman. Who is living in Capernaum. Whose son is sick. Okay, And he finds out. That Jesus of Nazareth who is this miracle worker, has been in Judea, and he's come back up into Galilee. Now, who is this? It says in verse 46, this certain nobleman. Who is this? Well, some people believe it's a, it's a Roman. Okay, it's a Roman nobleman. So here we have a, another non-Jew. And some people believe it's one of Herod's family. So again, you know, the Jews don't mix with Herod. The Jews don't really appreciate Herod and his family. All right? So either way... Either a Roman family member or Herodian. Both are seen by the Jews as like, you know, you know we don't mix with them, right? They're, they're kind of the no good ones. And here he comes to Jesus with a fragile faith. So Jesus came again to Canaan of Galilee where he had made the water wine. There was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son for he was at the point of death. Now, this journey was about 20 miles. Okay? His son's sick. There's, there's doctors. There's all sorts of options here. Right? His son's lying there sick. And he believes his son's going to die. It says in verse 47, he was at the point of death. Now, what do you do in those moments where your family member, your close family member is dying? What this guy does is he takes a 20 mile hike. To find Jesus of Nazareth. So this is, a, this is faith. But we're going to see here. It's a fragile faith in Jesus. It's a. Are you able to do this faith? But it was still faith. I mean that's a 20 mile walk. To go and find this teacher. To find this rabbi. Who he's heard through the grapevine. Is working miracles. 
So when he heard that Jesus had come out of Galilee, he, out of Judea to Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. 20 mile walk to get to Jesus. 33 kilometers uh, if you're not doing miles. In verse 48 then, Jesus asked this, or says this really interesting thing. He says in verse 48, unless you people, He's not speaking directly to this man as an individual. The you here is plural, okay? So he doesn't say, you nobleman who walked this 20 miles, you just want to see signs. That's not what Jesus is doing here. But what he's seen, what he's, he's, he's given a sort of commentary on the people, all right? They've received him in verse 43, but he knows they've received him with a fickle faith. And so he says here in verse 48, you people, you're all about seeing signs and wonders, otherwise you won't believe, all right? So, but the nobleman's there listening to this, right? He said, please come heal my son. And Jesus says, you people, you're only going to come if you see signs and wonders. And what he's doing at that moment, what he's doing is he's basically, through speaking to all these people, is he's saying to the nobleman, what will you be? Are you going to be someone who will only believe if you see signs and wonders? Or will you believe me at my word? Like the Samaritans. Will you believe what I say? Or will you only believe after what I've done? That's what he's asking him. Through what he's saying. That's what he's doing. Will you believe me? Or will you only believe afterwards? After the evidence. That's, that's what's happening here. And look what happens. The response then from the nobleman is. Sir, come down before my child dies. Come on this 20 mile hike with me. I implore you. I plead with you. Come 20 miles. And come and heal my son. Who's at the point of death. So Jesus is saying, will you be like the Jews who believe me because of what they see? Or will you be like the Samaritans who believe me because of what I say? And the man says, I don't know. Would you just come? <laughs> right? I don't know. Uh, but my son's dying and I need you to come. They say you can do miracles. They say you can heal people. Would you come and heal my son? And then we see what happens next. But again, before we get there, this is the question the author of the gospel is wanting you to ask. Brother and sister, this is what he wants you to ask. Will you believe Jesus at his word? Or will you believe him only after he acts? Will you trust him in the moments of darkness? Will you, will you trust him in the moments of temptation? Will you trust him in the moments of suffering? Will you trust him at his word? Or will it be a weak faith only and then, then when he acts? Oh, I believe the whole time. Or will it be a deep faith in him in the midst of what we go through in life? That's the question you're being forced to ask here this evening through John chapter 4. Now, a caveat. This is not blind faith. I'm not commending blind faith. That, that's a, the whole idea of a blind leap of, in the dark is not a Christian mentality. It's, it's philosophers who came up with that idea of a blind leap. That's philosophy. We as Christians, we have evidenced rational faith. But there's still a lot of the time where that faith needs to be in something we don't see, right? We don't see, but we believe. Faith in the character and the ability of God. That's what our faith needs to be in, okay? Who he said he is and what he said he can do. That's where your faith needs to be. Who he says he is and what he says he can do and will do. Those moments of suffering, when you don't understand why you're going through those things you're going through, at that moment, the faith that you need is, but he's good. But he's faithful. 
But he's kind. But he's merciful. But he's king. And he's in control. And he promised me that he will work good through everything I go through. He promised me that. And he promised to bring me through everything I go through. And he promised to be with me through everything I go through. And he promised to take me to him one day. So the person and the work of God is where our faith is. And I wonder if that's where we're at. That's where we're called to be at here. Jesus was encountering many people in Galilee who were only interested in his miracles. Why is Jesus so adamant about this though? In John chapter 2, he's like, you're only here for the signs. John chapter 4, you're only here for the signs. John chapter 6, you're only here for the signs. Why does he keep going on about this? Because Israel had signs in the past. And they were the most faithless generations, the ones that saw the signs. Right? And maybe you're sitting here this evening and you're like, if only God would show up. If only he would do this, then I'd believe. If only, I could see, if only he would get through this thing. If only he would do this thing, then I would believe. Hey, let's go through the history and very quickly of the people of Israel. Alright? You have the people of the, the Exodus experience. They watched... Ten plagues fall upon Egypt. They watched, uh, unbelievable, they watched darkness come to the, like dark, not just like it's nighttime everywhere, but it's dark there and it's daytime here. Could you imagine a miracle like that? Like you walk, it's dark, it's day. Could you imagine seeing that? Like with your own eyeballs, watching that happen? Water turns uh, red, frogs, all these different plagues come. Then they come out of Egypt and there's a pillar, they're following a pillar of cloud. And at nighttime, that thing turns into a pillar of fire. And they follow that thing. They're like, where are we going? Follow that. That's God, that's Yahweh. Follow him. And they get to the sea, and the sea splits. And everyone walks through it. And the little kids and the teacher's like, oh, it was only this much water. And they all walk through. And the miracle then would be that he managed to flood all the Egyptians in that much water, right? But it was a big sea. The sea split. So they all walk through dry land. The Bible says it was like a wall on each side of water. And as they all get through, then the water closes in on the Egyptians. A couple days later, bread falls from heaven every single day. Except Saturday. (laughs) Bread falls from heaven. Bread from heaven. Keel. Strikes a rock and water comes out of it. All these miracles. And yet every... Have you read? Have you read Exodus recently? Have you read Numbers? Every time. Faithless. 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 Oh, we want to go back to Egypt. God is not here for us. God's not going to get us through. They get to the land. God's like, I'm going to give you the land. They're like, no way. We can't go in there. They're going to slaughter us. They saw all the signs. And they didn't have faith. You catch that? They saw all the signs and they didn't have faith. When was the next big set of miracles in Israel's history? Elijah and Elisha. Miracle after miracle. Like Elijah walks up to the king and says, Just want you to know, it's not going to rain for three years. See you later. And it doesn't rain for three years. That's a miracle. Can you do that? Miraculous. Raising the dead. Uh, all these incredible miracles he does. Then one day on the top of Mount Carmel, 600 prophets of Baal are cutting themselves and dancing. Baal, let the fire come. Baal, let the fire come. Elijah pours water onto it. Hey, pour more water on that altar. Pour more water on that altar. And at the end of it, he's like, all right, God, light it up. And God lights it up. And all the people see God light it up. And they don't believe. And they walk away from God. And Elijah says, how long will you limp between these two options? Serve God or be or not both. 
And they're a faithless generation. And that's why Jesus is so adamant that it's not about the signs. Because it's the heart that it's the heart, it's all about the heart, regardless of the signs. God actually calls them in the Psalms a faithless generation. Hebrews talks about this generation who saw all these miracles as the faithless generation. And after seeing all the miracles of Jesus, what do they do eventually? They crucify him. And when they watch, they say, what signs will you do? Then he does a bunch of signs. And they're like, oh, you're only doing that through the power of the devil. You see, it's not about signs. It's, you, it's not about God showing up. God has shown up. It's about us believing in his character and in his uh, ability. Again, a huge theme in John's gospel. So here we have this nobleman being asked the question. Which one will you be? Will you believe because of the signs? Or will you believe me at my word? And the man says in verse 49, Sir, come down before my child dies. And then we have the final thing. In verse 50 to verse 54, a full, look at that, John, a full faith. Right? A full faith. Jesus said to him, go your way, your son lives. 20 miles He's come to talk to Jesus. And Jesus says, okay, you can go now. He said, please come. Please come and heal myself. Please come. And Jesus says, I don't need to come. If you go 20 miles home, you'll find your son alive. And what does the man do? He goes home. Why? Because he believes. He believed him. He didn't do any signs. He didn't, paint the, he didn't create a mirror where the, the, or a window that the man could see his son all of a sudden from 20 miles away being healed. No. He just said, listen, go home. I've healed him from here. And he believes. So the man believed the word. What did he believe? The sign? He believed the word that Jesus spoke to him. And he went home. And as he was now going down, his servants met him. We don't know how far. 20 miles. Like They, they know where he is, so they're running to him because they're excited. He's going home. He's excited. And a bit, you know, that fragile faith, will it play out? Will it play out? And somewhere between that 20-mile journey, there's this happy reunion between the master and the servants. And they said to him, your son lives. He was at the point of death and now he's alive. In verse 52, they inquired of them the hour when he got better and they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left. Yesterday, this guy's been walking. Like, like longer than, he's been walking all, like getting home to his son. He walked there, asked Jesus to heal his son. He said, go home, and now he's 20 miles back again. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. And look at this. And he believed. Did, didn't he already believe? Like he believed by going to Cana. He believed when Jesus said, go, your son lives. And here in verse 53, and he believed. You see, this man, when it says here, the man believed in verse 50, it means he took him at his word. He took him at his word. Jesus said, your son lives, go home. And he believed the word that Jesus spoke. And so here we have this this lovely experience of someone who believes, who then believes more, Right? So, so he, and this, like, listen, the miracle here didn't happen because of the man's faith. In the sense of, Jesus didn't say, if you'll go home, then your son will be healed. He says, go home, I've healed him. Right? So it wasn't, that, that, that wasn't conditional. Jesus was like, I've healed him, go home. But, you know, when he went home, his faith was full. 
He was full of joy. I mean, he was, that guy, this guy full of praise there. His son's alive. He's watched the miracle. Jesus is the master of distance. And his whole house comes to believe as well. See, that's what happens when we, believe. When we have full faith. Our, the people around us see that faith. When you have a peace, like we've been singing about, and you have bliss, and you have cheer, and you have joy, you have strength, you have hope, the world around us who don't experience those things are like, what have you got? But you have a full faith in a faithful God. And it says here in verse 54, this is the second sign that Jesus did when he came out of Judea into Galilee. The first being the, the wine. So if you're a Christian this evening, I'm coming to an end here. Let me just ask this question. Do you trust Jesus? Right, I'm a Christian. Of course I trust Jesus. It's the only way in. I, I didn't mean it for salvation in the sense of forgiveness of sins in the past. I, I mean, do you trust him now? Do you trust him now? Now, if, you've, if you're in through trusting him, you're in, right? But this man here, he believed and he believed and he believed some more. And Jesus says, go home. And it, it wasn't, this healing wasn't conditional upon faith, but he went home and he experienced his son's salvation in the sense of healing here. Do you, let me just ask you these questions. These are just for us. It's for me to reflect on too. I want you to reflect. Do you trust Jesus enough to obey him? Do you trust him enough to obey him? I don't know what thing that is for you. Is there a command of scripture that you're not obeying because of a lack of faith? Maybe the gathering of his people that you're commanded to be a part of. Maybe it's uh, the offering. Maybe it's sharing the gospel. Maybe it's saying no to this certain sin in your life. Maybe it's forgiving the person you're called to forgive. Showing mercy to the person you struggle to show mercy to. Do you trust him enough to obey him? Do you trust him enough to love the person who's hurt you? Do you trust him enough to give over your life to him truly? To surrender your life to him? Do you trust him in times of sickness? Do you trust him in times of suffering and times of loss and confusion? Do you trust him in times of change and instability? Do you trust him in the time of temptation? You know, the temptation to sin. You know what saves us from those, those sins in that time of temptation? Trusting that what he has for us is better than what sin offers. Do you trust him about that? And do you trust him in that time of failure when you do sin? Trust him that he wants you to come near to him in those moments and receive cleansing. Again, I know some of you are going through some testing situations right now. And for those who aren't, I'm sure there's things to come. But trust him in the middle of it. Not just when you see him act, but trust him. Trust him. Trust his character. Trust his ability and trust his promises. Friends, crack open your Bible, right? Keep that book open. And read, and when you're reading your Bible, look for these things. God's character, God's ability, and God's promises. And underline every one of those. And trust those things about him. Those are true things about him. At the end of John's Gospel, Jesus rebukes some of his disciples who didn't believe his resurrection. Remember? <laughs> They're like, I'm not going to believe this. Even though he said, I'm going to rise again from the dead, by the way. And they don't believe. And he rebukes them for it. He's like, oh, you have little faith. And then what does he say? Blessed are those who believe, who have not seen. And we haven't seen. But First Peter says, whom having not seen, you love. And loving him, you rejoice with joy inexplicable and full of glory. 
Can I tell you this? If you trust him today, if you trust him today, your heart will be filled with love and you'll be filled with joy. If you trust him today, according to Peter anyway. And if you're not a Christian in this room or on Zoom this evening, will you trust him? Will you believe him at his word? That he has come as God in the flesh to die for you, to rise again and to bring you the forgiveness of sins, to be in right relationship with him again, to transform your life, to make you new and to bring, him, bring you to him at one day. Will you trust him rather than demanding once again that for signs and for wonders? I don't want to finish, but I know I have to. But, but please, I'm pleading with you. I'm pleading with myself. Trust him this week. He's faithful. He is totally faithful. We're the ones who have the, the, the struggling faith, right? So fickle faith, fragile faith, full faith. We want to be the ones with full faith, right? Full faith in him that trusts him at his word. Amen.